Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Saturday Burnt Toast and Coffee Show with apologist William Hemsworth on the Four Persons Network. William is passionate about teaching the faith. He is a convert that attended a Baptist seminary. He is a father and a catechist that will encourage you to live the faith, evangelize, and defend it. To call into the show, the number is 515-602-9655. Once again, the phone number to call into the show is 515-602-9655. Ladies and gentlemen, William Hemsworth. Show. My name is William Hemsworth. It is great to be with you all on this week's show. I have a very special uh, special show for you all today. I have my good friend J.M. Kramer of the Lego Church Project. He's going to come on in just a little bit. Now we're going to talk about all the great stuff he's doing over at the Lego Church Project. We're going to talk about um, evangelization, maybe some uh, disability awareness. And we're going to talk about a very cool person in the life of the church, Blessed Solanus. Casey. Now, if you're not familiar with the Lego Church Project, um, obviously we're going to hear about it a lot more from our good friend here. But wow, when I, uh, John and I, we've been following each other on Twitter for a few years now. And and to be honest, this is, a, I think, our seventh show that we're going to be doing. The rest of them are over on my YouTube channel, The Bible Catholic. But my goodness, when I came across John's profile on Twitter, all those years ago, and I saw him building all these magnificent churches out of Legos. Like, I was just flabbergasted. It was just, a, just such an amazing sight to see, especially when I'm one of those people that has very little artistic talent. And I guess the only thing I can make out of Legos is like a a log, you know, just something that's straight line. I can't do much with it. But uh, without further ado, um, bring on John Kramer here. John, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad. Thank you for having me once again. Well, you know, it's my my pleasure. And I've had this show in a couple months now, and I've always said, i got to get John back on. And then when you messaged me a couple days ago, I was like, you know what? Let's, let's just talk about it right now. So we'll take my shot, and here you are. So always great to have you on. How you been? You been doing pretty good? Yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, thanks be to God for all things. Well, amen to that. Well, there's a segment I always like to do at the top of the show. It's just the saint of the day. And I know you have a very um, special connection with Blessed Solanus Casey. So I was wondering if you can tell our, our listeners a little bit about this great man of God. This is a humble spirit in the purest sense of it. He was a Capuchin monk who spent a lot of time in a couple different places, but he is uh, highly respected in Detroit, where he was a doorman at the monastery over that way. And he had a very deep love of the faith, uh, a love of interacting with people. He was also known uh, for his deep sense of wisdom and the fact that he was able to help so many people uh, who came through the doors of the monastery for various reasons. He's also part of the reason why there's a Capuchin soup kitchen down that way. Uh, because he had a, a love of serving the poor. He wanted to help 
those around him. And he had his own learning challenges. Uh, he had a hard time with his studies, and yet here he is today, uh, truly He's someone you inspire to to be because of that humble spirit, that willing to give of himself and basically sharing with what God has given him. Uh, the love of the faith shines through him in, in what he was doing, uh, and even to this day. Uh, and that's something that I kind of take to my own heart and within my own work with the uh, Lego Church Project. Great. No, I understand correctly. He's made a couple appearances in your projects, right? Yes. The first time I used the photo was back in season 18, which would have been 2017, uh, which was around the same time they announced his beatification. Uh, I reused the photo for uh, season uh, 20, and now I'm using reusing it again for uh, season 24, and when it's not inside the project, I have a little uh, photo box for it that I keep in my uh, living room. Okay. Now, I know in one of our one of our past episodes, you said that you had a personal connect, connection to him. Can you share, share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, both my grandparents on both sides of the family had interactions with him. Uh, so growing up, I, I probably knew about Father Solanus before a lot of people did because my, uh, my mom's mom used to talk about him all the time. Uh, when she was growing up, she used to live right across the street from the monastery and would sometimes go over as a little girl over to, to say hello. Uh, so, yeah, so there's definitely some direct connections uh, to the family, uh, which is very uh, important to me uh, in that respect. Yeah, how cool would it be? You know, to say that, especially when he, if, you know, God willing, he becomes he is, he is canonized. That you know, you have, your family has this connection to a, a canonized saint. That'd be pretty cool to say. That would be very <laughs> cool. And I also know that during the beatification mass, we had some family members that were actually in attendance uh, when they had. Yeah, I think they had it in Fort Field uh, in Detroit. So, have you talked to your family members about that experience? I have not. Okay. Uh, but that's just because of the nature of things that have been always been going on. We lifetimes of kinds of uh, gets a little interrupted sometimes. Okay, I got you. Understand. So, thank you for sharing uh, sharing with us about Blessed Slotus Casey and uh, Blessed Slotus Casey. Please pray for us and pr- pray for his canonization as well. So, the Lego Church Project. I mean, this is your twenty fourth season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Why don't you start? That's amazing. What got you started in this whole thing? Well, growing up, I've always been into Lego. And my friends were always building these elaborate spaceships. And unfortunately for me, I was never good at that. Uh, So I kind of started, even growing, even when I was younger, I started building these rudimentary buildings that eventually turned into these churches. And part of the reason for that is because – I spent a good number of years living in the original parish rectory for St. Helens in Saginaw. So we, so mass was a constant part of our lives. Uh, We would be going back and forth to the church. We literally walked to church. Uh, That's how close we were. So the church was the foundation and it kind of reflected through in what I was doing. What it turned from a childhood thing into this ministry, which took many years to do, as I started doing public displays, the first time I took season, which eventually became season one, I took it to uh, the Mount Zion 
uh, pastoral center uh, in Flushing, Michigan, uh, which is where we were attending mass at the time. And so, and, ever, and over the years, I've kind of evolved the project. Uh, each year is a new season. And just for your audience, just so they know, what I do is I build a giant church of my own design out of Lego, display it at a couple locations in the area, tear it down, and start the process all over again. So 24 years, 24 different buildings that I've done. So where do you get the inspiration for these churches? Uh, thanks to the powers of the Internet, I happen to study a lot of different parishes. I see a lot of pictures that people post. I also have had a chance to study some of the places that I've been to, uh, either as a visitor for some other uh, function or for a project display. So the inspiration comes from everywhere. I like to see what the churches are doing. I try and keep things as faithful as I can uh, within the scope of Lego, which can be a challenge at times. Oh, sure. Now, for those listening, the the, build, the churches that you're building, they're not, they're not just Lego. I mean, you put a lot of detail. I mean, you put you put people in them. You put lights, like all these types of things. What is the process like of building one of these churches? The process can be a epic challenge because you, I never know what I'm going to actually build until I sit down and start praying at the bricks. I may have in my head a laundry list of what I want to see done for this particular project, and God will say, say nope, you're going in a different direction. Uh, basically, what it starts off with is I start off with the basic layout, the template, and one of the first things I try and figure out is the scope and scale of what the altar is going to be. Because really, the church is actually kind of built around that altar. Uh, that becomes the focal point of what I'm trying to accomplish. And from there, everything just kind of flows naturally from that. And then, of course, you have okay. the challenge of trying to rig the lights. The two to 200, I was going to say around two, 250 number of figures that are placed inside. The number is constantly changing because I keep adding new figures every year. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Putting more people in the pews, which is all of our goal, right? That's <laughs> uh, a prayer. It, it truly is a prayer. In fact, that's one of the most uh, – whenever I'm doing a public display, that's usually one of the first comments people say, that the church is full of people. Yeah, that's on purpose. Uh, that is a hope and a prayer that people would actually make the mass a priority and take some time out of their weekend and spend it before God, uh, being part of the uh, parish community. Amen to that. So how, how many Legos on average do one of your churches take to make? I want to guess around 25,000 pieces, depending. And what a lot of that comes from is, is I know on the tile work of the floors, the, the little one-by-one one rounds, I use at least about a 1,000 of those just alone on the floors uh, for all the extra details. And then there's also structure that people may not notice, uh, particularly with how everything gets tied together, both for the lower half and then later on in the upper half where the roof grid uh, sits. Those are uh, made of uh, multiple uh, rows of plates that kind of stack together and lock everything into place. So for the most part, once the project is built, it is fairly structurally sound. Uh, 
mostly. <laughs> uh, moving it is a two-person job, though. Yeah, and that leads me into my other question. And, um, how do you get these displays? Well, first of all, how do you – where do you get locations for these displays, and how do you get them there? Usually the best way for a display to happen is that a parish would reach out to me. They have heard about my work. They're interested in uh, learning, what I'm, learning what I'm doing. And they may be interested in having me talk about faith and disability, which are the areas that I, I focus on. Uh, from there, uh, we can set up a weekend. And if the parish or other site is interested in providing the transportation, then we can come and grab the project, uh, bring me out, and I can do a display. And usually, I'll usually have a contact person within that parish that will kind of help coordinate things. Sometimes I'll even provide the transportation uh, needed. Uh, those are some of the best displays because it means that I truly am invited to come out, and it makes things a lot smoother when you feel truly welcome at where you're going to be at for a little bit. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So once you're at these parishes, what typically happens? Like, are you there for a couple days? Um, are, are you sitting there while people come up and watch it or, and look at it? How does it work? Typically, for a typical parish display, I will usually, uh, lately, the last couple ones that I've done is I will usually do a short presentation either before uh, Mass or at the end of Mass. Sometimes I can do a larger, longer presentation following Mass, and what I'll do is I'll set up a spot that's inside the usual entryway of the church or some other suitable location, and I'll be available to answer questions and make sure that there's nothing going on with the project. And I'll usually stay there for most of the Masses. Uh, if there's like a Saturday Mass, I'll be there for that, and then I'll be there for the Sunday Masses as well. Uh, it just makes things smooth, and plus it gives me a chance to interact with the people, answering the usual uh, questions that I get. And then sometimes I can use it to springboard into other issues such as transportation and disability. So what are the questions you normally get? What are like the top three questions you normally get? Uh, how many pieces? Uh, how many figures? And how long does it take to make? So the three have asked you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just the top three. Although, although when I was doing a school display and I actually – uh, when I was in Midland, Michigan, too, uh, at the parish there, one of the kids asked, uh, how much does it cost? <laughs> that was a new question for me. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's from the mouth of babes. Like, that's a really good question. How much does it cost to make one of these? My answer to the parents at the time was a lot. <laughs> I, I have a lot of money that's invested in the parts because Lego is not cheap, even on the uh, secondary markets. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it takes a lot of effort to, to, to secure the parts and then from there to maintain everything. Uh, I, I sometimes have to replace uh, boards and other parts on that, and that can take cost a little bit of money. <laughs> Do you um... – you said a moment ago that the typical church takes twenty-five to 30,000 Legos. Now, how do you get your Legos? I know you said it costs a lot of money. Do you get, accept donations for them or anything like that as well? 
Yeah, what, what will happen is I will get donations uh, to the PayPal or I'll have some people buy stuff for the Amazon wish list. And from there, I'll use the, the funds available to go on to like a third marketplace called Bricklink, uh, where I'll order the specific pieces that I happen to need at the time. Uh, I usually try and do most of my parts ordering before I start building because I don't like delays. Because you have to figure it's going to take me about a month to a month and a half to to build one of my projects. And I'm usually starting this usually at the end of January, and I will go through at least February and through most of March in most cases. Uh, this year for season 24, this one took a little bit less time because I was I started like around January 20th, and I think I had it built by uh, Ash Wednesday. Oh, wow. Okay. So – you have to you have to transport these things, um, and they're not small pieces. Have there been any traveling mishaps that you've had to deal with? Uh, you know what, mishapen, mishaps happen. Uh, a piece gets knocked out here and there. Uh, the project slides off the board until you screw it down. Uh, I've had a bell tower come back from one parish that was smashed and 20 minutes later fixed. And the project itself sits on a plywood uh, board which makes it fairly easy to move. And if you got like a coffee cart, that makes it a lot easier. Because <laughs> oh. you can put it on the coffee cart and just wield it. Uh, I think uh, think last year, uh, at the end of the uh, Christ the Good Shepherd display, my one friend moved it uh, from the vestibule of the church to his truck by himself, just with the cart alone. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's that's helpful. I mean, with thirty thousand Legos, how much do you think this thing weighs? I'm gonna guess between around fifty pounds, if not a little bit more, depending. Okay. I think the plywood board adds a little bit of weight, and then I also know that the roof cross, that giant, there's a giant cross on top of this roof that's a solid piece, and I think that weighs about two pounds on its own. Okay. Now. I know you're. You said praying, praying at the bricks, like, and and you said before that building these churches is a prayer. Can you explain how it's a prayer? Well, to to dive into that, you have to focus on what my mission is. I'm a guy who has a mild form of cerebral palsy, so I'm living in the shadow of disability. And my mission with the Lego Church Project is I'm showing that no matter what challenge or disability you face, God can still use your talents. This is someone who lives this message because of what I'm doing. When I'm working on the project, I am praying with my hands. I am taking all the issues of that's going on in my life, all the issues that are going on in the church, all the conflicts that I'm seeing, I am pouring that into my hands my hands become tools of prayer. As I'm building, I am praying. And that is kind of the core of what I believe in. I believe there are many forms and many ways to pray, and this is just one example of that. Great. I know another thing you're passionate about is evangelization. And you said a moment ago that, you know, no, no matter what you're dealing with and all you know, God can use you. And I think sometimes that's a, that's a great message for those listening. Cause I think sometimes you're like, you know, who am I? Right. And that, that's the same thing that Moses asked God when 
you know, God told Moses to go to the Israelites that were in Egypt, right? And he's like, you know, who am I? I'm a man slow of speech and all that stuff. And look at look at Moses. And there's countless examples throughout Scripture. What would you say to someone who's maybe who's maybe dealing with that? Like, who who am I to do the work of God? What, what words of encouragement would you have for them? <sighs> you know what? The best way that I think of it is that there are many ways to evangelize, and not all of them are big. A kind word here and there, an act of kindness to someone who's struggling, a listening ear. There are so many different ways that we can share the faith, and not all of it has to be loud trumpet blasts. I know that with my work, I certainly have a large statement that I'm making, but it also goes back down to the smallest of things, giving someone a ride to church, uh, giving someone a ride to the store when they need to. There are so many different ways to reach out and to, to help the community around you, uh, whatever you do for the least uh, of God's children. And I think that really, really shines forth in some of the things that we do these days. Oh, amen. So during the course of these di- displays, um, I know you, you said that you talked about the top three questions that you normally get. But how has doing this project allowed you to evangelize to those who come and see it? Because I'm showing that no matter what challenge you face, I'm proof that, yeah, I've got a mild form of cerebral palsy. Yeah, I don't work. But here, God is taking the most unlikely person with the most unlikely medium and doing something for almost 25 years that's still even today kind of – it's kind of a surreal experience for me because this is the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing. To even be coming on to a radio program to talk about faith and disability. And what's been very important for me, though, too, in the last year, I've started doing a little bit more presentations with my work. So it's not just about showing the project off, but it's also talking about disability, talking about being more inclusive in our parishes and having more of an open mind to treating people fairly, no matter what disability or challenge that they face. And some people see their disability as a challenge, some don't. Uh, some people have found very creative ways to navigate around life. I know I have. Uh, and so for me to be able to come out to a parish to share my talents, to share the faith, and to give hope and encouragement. I remember, remember last year uh, I was visiting a, a parish over uh, in St. Louis, Michigan, which is about an hour from me. And a grandmother came up to me with her grandson, and she said that her grandson had just been diagnosed with cerebral palsy and that I, because of my own struggles with it, have given them hope. That's the kind of stuff I love to do. Awesome. Awesome. Now, one of the things you're passionate about is um, the issue of disability. And I know you've shared your, your story a little bit. What? Okay, and, and I know you, you wrote an article about this on where Peter is, and the, the editor, Mike, was kind of letting me repost it on my Pathios blog. But let's talk about that issue for a minute, because I think it's a lot of um, – I think a lot of people deal with it, but maybe because we don't see it firsthand, 
as a general parish, we don't see it as an issue. What is the issue there? I mean, it's kind of a broad question to start off with, but what is the issue? Well, it's a broad question, but you also know what I'm going to answer because I've talked about it so many times. It is the issue of transportation in the churches. Not a lot of parishes have any easy way for someone who does not have their own transportation to get to Mass. I know that I've certainly run into problems myself, and while I have a ride 99% of the time, what do I do when uh, that person's unavailable? They've got to be able to live their life, too. They've got to be able to go on vacation and whatnot. So it becomes a challenge to try and figure out, well, who can I ask? When you're already struggling mentally with the fact that, that you already have to rely on so many people to live, you don't always know who your contacts are. You don't always know who in the parish could you reach out to. And the parishes, whether it is through uh, liabilities or whatnot, they're not exactly in a position where they can do much help right now. And the transportation is a very much an unrealized need. Since that article came out and since I sh- uh, shared it with a lot of people, uh, one of the usual reactions that I get is, well, wow, I never knew that there was an issue. That's because you never uh, never was about, tr- never tried to find anyone that may need a- assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can, and it can be very embarrassing uh, to ask for help. Uh, I know in my own walk, that has certainly been a challenge for me. Asking for help on any level is not something I'm exactly known for. Uh, it's not exactly something that I'm comfortable with. Because you sometimes kind of, you get into this negative mindset sometimes where you feel like you're already a burden on people. And that may not necessarily be the case, but your own perception of how you interact with the world can kind of lead to that conclusion. And it's something that I certainly struggle with uh, when I'm trying to to seek out assistance for different things. So, yeah, and there's probably an unrealized need in your parish where there may be someone, especially if it's an older person who doesn't have family still in the church or even close by. Uh, I know that, that there are family members, or my parents, I know they help some people from their church to get to Mass because that person is no longer able to drive as well. Uh, there was an older lady that they were taking care of and helping out for a long time. Uh, so the need is very much there. You just have to figure out what the best way to take on this challenge? Is it, be, is it possibly through the Knights of Columbus? Is this something that they could take up as a ministry for them? Uh, could the parish make it easier for people to find rights? There's a lot of challenges with that because, of course, we live in this society where liability is a major factor and no one wants to get sued. <laughs> right. So how could we... How could the how do you think the parishes can help um, fill this need? I know it goes. I know it's, it's. We could say you know they can provide transportation, but what are some steps that parishes can take, or we as the parishioners can take to help this need? I think the easiest way would trying to be to find volunteers who be willing to be willing to give rides and keep a name, keep a list of names at the. Uh, main office. I think with the uh, development of social media, I think that that would make things a lot easier. People can contact each other directly. Uh, That's always a possibility. 
I think that there's a lot of different avenues. I've heard of some parishes that are doing ride shares. I'd like to see a little bit more of a, uh, I'd like to see a program developed through more of a diocesan level, or once again, through the Knights of Columbus, uh, a literal disability or transportation ministry, if you will. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that I would love to see happen to make it easier, to take a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the confusion of trying to figure out how you're going to get to Mass. Uh, and I see these posts on social media where you got people saying, well, get to Mass, get to Mass. Okay, you're going to give me a ride? <laughs> and usually I'll usually get crickets after that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, my parish, you, t- you spoke about the Knights of Columbus a second ago. Um, somehow my Knights of Columbus Council, and they've, they've been doing and they've been doing this for quite a while. They, I guess when times were really, really good, they were able to procure a little, one of those little buses that's like 14, 15 people. You know which ones I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And so, and so um, our grand, our grand knight, well, now our former grand knight, he volunteers every Sunday. He goes and picks up these 14, 15 people, brings them the 930 mass, takes them home after coffee and donuts. And he says the appreciation that he gets every single Sunday, he's like, he said, he said sometimes he picks people up and they're crying because maybe this is their first time out of the house in a week. And yeah. whatever, whatever the case is. And he's like, it's such, it's such a blessing to be able to do this. And it's more of it's we need more of that. We truly need more of that. And if organizations are willing to commit to helping us, uh, and a lot of it boils down to the, to this attitude and mindset that we need to be we need to start looking at more ways to reach out. The parishes that I see that are thriving, regardless of form of mass, are the ones that are doing the outreach. They're the ones that are making themselves available in their community. They're the ones that have got the different programs going on and that are, that are well uh, put together. And I think that's very important. I think our parish communities could benefit from a program like this where we're helping each other out. Where we go back to that spirit of the early church, which where it was a community where everyone was helping each other. And I think over the generations, we've kind of moved away from that. And I think we're starting to see the, the challenges that have come from that kind of uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been around to quite a few parishes um, over the course of your ministry at the Lego Church Project. And what are, what are some of those churches out there that are flourishing? What programs have you seen that they're utilizing to evangelize and get out into the community? I've seen food drives. I've seen uh, a lot more of an online presence from them where you see their Facebook pages being utilized, sharing information, sharing events. Uh, I've seen there's one parish where they're doing showings of the chosen, uh, where they've also got movie nights. They've got talks on stuff that's going on, uh, lecture series, uh, soup, soup and supper kind of things. There's a lot of different things that our parishes are doing. And I think that it's a, a good way to build community and to get get to know who your neighbor is. Mm-hmm. All right, so 24 years, John, you've been doing this project. What, where do you see season 25 going? 
You know, I don't know yet. I've been, I've already been studying season 24, what I like about it, what I would change on it. And it's actually not too early to start planning for the 25th year of this. I would like to do a modest uh, celebration uh, just because of the fact that 25 years. Right. And, and just even saying that, it's still kind of this like, I'm doing this 25 years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I really can still get my head around the fact that, I'm, that I built tw- season 24. Uh, the, the design process is always starts early because you want to get an idea of what you could do, what you can improve upon. And there's a lot of things about season 24 that I just outright love. And it did present some rather interesting challenges. But you have to figure, though, despite some of the technical challenges that went into it, especially with some of the sections with the way that they're constructed, I am not an engineer at all. Uh, in, in fact, I probably, probably if an engineer was to actually study my work, he'd probably question my logic on a few things. But uh, just trying to get things set up so they can support each other. And just... Wow, I'm trying to try and figure out something that's new and creative, but also too, I'd like to try and uh, uh, do a throwback to some of the previous years. I've done that before, where I've brought direct elements from previous seasons into the into the next build. So, but I really won't know what I could end up doing for 25 until I actually sit down and bread the bricks. <laughs> So how has doing this project allowed you to defend the faith? It gives people a chance to see what the church is like without actually having to set foot inside a church. Because I try and make things as realistic as I can, I can present the faith in a way that's not intimidating. So if you've got a non-Catholic that is curious about my work, they don't have to feel uncomfortable about trying to step foot inside an actual Catholic church. They can actually see a 3D representation of the church. And one of the, one of the things that, that's kind of noted about my work is that I do feature people with disabilities inside my uh, projects. I've got people with wheelchairs, power chairs, a couple service dogs this year. So I do have that, that very visible representation which I think is important when evangelizing because we should all have a place uh, inside our church. Now, over the, like I said, I've known you for a few years now. What are, what are some places, what's the farthest place that you've taken the project? Oh, that's going to be a toss-up. For last year, I went to uh, parishes in Gladwin and Harrison, which are about an hour from me one direction. And then I went to uh, St. Louis uh, last year, uh, which is another hour for me. And these are fairly rural communities. I think the farthest, though, that I've gone to with the project, and this has been like, oh, man, 10, 12 years, if not longer, there's a parish out in Troy, Michigan, called St. Anastasia. And I did a couple displays with them. I've also been down to Redford of, at Our Lady of Loretto, although that was like way back, I think the last time I was there was maybe season six, season seven maybe. So we're talking like long time ago. 
it's been a good number of years since I've really done a long distance display somewhere. Uh, and in terms of if parishes are listening into this, representative parishes are listening into this and want to have me out, uh, something to keep in mind is I will go where the Lord sends me. Even if I can't see all the details working out, uh, I figure that if the Lord wants me at a parish, he will work out those details and things will come together. And that's what's happened in the last couple of displays I did. Uh, the the Midland right. display from last year, which is one which is the, one of the last ones I did before Christ the Good Shepherd, that one came together in a couple of weeks. We had everything planned up and everything. And it was a beautiful time for me out there. All right. Well, John, we actually have a caller. So let me go ahead and bring him on. I think this is our uh, founder of the four persons, John. So let me bring him on. One second. Uh, how you doing, William? How you doing, Mr. Kramer? I just had one question for you. I'd like to know, what do you think was the most significant uh, church that you've recreated? Oh, <laughs> man. Each church, has, each parish I've built on my own design always has its own story with it. Ah, the, the one church that does stand out to me above some of the others would, would have been season 18, because that is the one that I had the first time I used the Father Solanus uh, picture inside. Uh, I went to a couple different parishes that year, uh, including one of my favorite places to go, All Saints uh, in Bay City, Michigan. Uh, that was the, it was kind of an interesting story with the Father Solanus photo because I was about halfway done with the church at the time, and I decided at the last second to call the Father Solanus Center down in Detroit, see if I could get a pamphlet or something that had a picture so I could include the uh, picture inside the project. And sure enough, I was able to do that. When they announced the beatification, I made a minor change towards the uh, before I did the uh, Christ the Good Shepherd display, and I put a version of the relic cross in there. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's got a personal importance to me. All right, thank you. All right, so... John, you, you've um, you've shared the project in quite a few mediums. Can you share with our audience some of the like shows and everything where you've shared about your project? Oh, I've been on so many different. Uh, over the years, I've had the chance to have a lot of different write-ups. Uh, usually, starting off in the local press, uh, Saginaw News slash M Live. Uh, I think 2016, 17 was the last article that I had written up from them. That one hit the uh, Associated Press wire. I've been, uh, I think I've been on a couple Catholic uh, television. I've been on uh, Sunrise Morning uh, several different times, and that is always a fun. I hope, I hope Matt uh, has me come out again uh, for that one because that, that's always a fun time to talk about stuff. Uh, the, one of the more recent interviews I did was with the uh, local journalist, independent journalist, Dave Bondi. I had a chance to... Uh, sit down with him, uh, and that was one of the rare ones where you actually get to see the project uh, in the background, because I actually recorded that one uh, where the project's currently sitting at, uh, which is currently uh, in a commons area here in Saginaw Township where I live. And so to be able to have that actual in the background was kind of important for me, and it kind of puts into scope the actual size of this. 
because this is not a small project. <laughs> right. Well, I know Matt Swain, one of the hosts of the Sunrise Morning Show, and um, of course he does a lot of work with the Coming Home Network. Um, when I reposted your article about the transportation issue, he reached out to me and was like, I want to bring you on my radio show about your article. I'm like, it's actually John Kramer's article. Then you already have him coming on. He's like, oh, okay. I'll just ask some questions in. So <laughs> I, was like, I, I'm like, I just reposted it. He's like, oh, all right. Sounds good. He's, he's a laid back guy. So um, he, he is. And he's name dropped me a couple times on one of the other uh, stuff he does for coming home. I, I think the issue of transportation came up during one of the discussions. And of course my name got mentioned because that's the thing that I'm known for. I'm known for Lego church projects, my devotion to father Solanus and the fact that I talk about transportation all the time. <laughs> John, so where, where can our, where can our listeners learn more about your project, see your work and of course throw you a follow. Where can they do that? They can follow me on Facebook under Lego Church Project. You can also follow my Substack, which is Praying at the Bricks. Uh, there's also a, a companion blog, which you can find a link to uh, there uh, on the Substack as well, called Building Faith One Brick at a Time. Uh, I've also got an pre active presence on Twitter. You can just search for Lego Church Project and you'll find me. I post a lot of photos uh, on there all the time, probably too much sometimes, depending on the numbers. <laughs> I think I just did, like, over the course of, like, three days, uh, posted all 24 seasons. And it's kind of wow. good for people to have a chance to see the history of what went into the project. And sometimes I'll tell interesting little factoids, like how season one, the lights actually didn't come about until well after the project is, was built. And I actually had to tear the roof off, rebuild the roof so I could put the lights in. <laughs> All right. So, um, John, of course, the founder of uh, Four Persons. Do you have any other questions for other John, John Kramer? Yeah, I'd like to know how we could um, – what would be a good way that we, we could open this up to people so they could view some of your work? like links that you could give us where they could use some of the models that you've done? Well, as I said, just share the uh, the Facebook page. Uh, I have all 24 seasons posted in the photo albums. Uh, and with the last several, I'm going to try to think. I can't remember how far back it actually goes, but many years ago, people wanted to start seeing the actual build process of what goes into making one of these. And so I started doing that. I started posting as people were following along with the build. Uh, around January and February, when I start building, I'll start posting the photos of how things are going from the empty work board to the finished church. So I think that if people want to get a good idea as to what goes into one of my works, they can just check out the numerous photos that I have. <laughs> All right, we'll, what we'll do, William, after the show, we'll post that Facebook link in the show notes, okay? Yeah, absolutely, and I'll post a, a link to the Facebook page in the group in the group page as well. That way everyone can check it out. So, all right. Well, Mr. Kramer, J.M., John Kramer. Like I said, I think this is the seventh show we've done together. <laughs> First yeah, one on here. But... It's always a blast talking with you, and thanks for coming on and sharing your story and what you do with us. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate the chance to have a conversation, a chance to talk about different things, and of course, faith, disability, and Lego. I'm probably the only person where this, all three of these kind of cross paths at the same time. Yep. So again, check out his work, the Substack, Praying at the Bricks, the Facebook page, the Lego Church Project. And if you search Lego Church Project in Twitter, he's the first one that pops up. I know from experience. So just check it out. He's, he's doing a lot of great things out there. John, God bless you and what you're doing. Take care. Take care, my friend. All right. God bless.